that uh, Christmas gift. As we approach Christmas, the gift giving continues on. And uh, we're going to get into chapter chapter 4 of First John as the children go down the hall with Mr. Hoyt and Miss Peggy. Not on the PowerPoint on the one down here. Okay. As we finish up talking uh, this week about Christmas, we'll probably talk about it a little bit next week also. I want to talk about the heart of Christmas. Uh, if, if you guys can get the PowerPoint on these screens, that would be helpful. If you can't, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to talk about Christmas. I don't know if that's a usual place you normally go to for, <laughs> for Christmas. There it is, thank you. Uh, for Christmas scripture, but it's a good place to go as we talk about the heart of Christmas, especially since Christmas is all about Jesus coming into this world in the flesh. And we have to think about who Jesus is and what he's all about and also uh, what comes with Jesus. First off, we know that God is love. I'm just going to give you the spoiler. God is love. I think y'all would agree with that. Uh, what we're going to read today will help us understand that, I hope, in chapter 4 of 1 John. But first I want to read you a list of, uh, a list of what love is, according to another individual that I kind of stole this from. He says, love is silence when your words would hurt. Love is patient when your neighbors are hurtful. Love is deafness when gossip flows. Love is thoughtfulness when others are woeful. Love is promptness when duty calls. Love is courage when misfortune abounds. It's a short list. I feel like if we spent some time, all of us could sit around and come up with a longer list than that. If we wanted to continue to describe some things that would uh, help us understand what is love or what love really is. I think that we, go, we can go to 1 John chapter 4 and find out that what love is is pretty spectacular and pretty special if you understand love in its fullness. And I hope that we can either already understand that or we can get there after this morning because that's always going to help us understand the value of Christmas morning or of Christmas celebrations or of Christmas time of the year. Really, if we understand Christmas and the love that comes at Christmas, then we have a greater understanding of even our celebration of Easter, wouldn't you think? Take a second and look at your neighbor and tell him you love him. That was easy. That was, that was pretty easy, wasn't it? It was pretty easy. It, it's pretty easy to do. Look at somebody and say, I, I love you. I, I love y'all. And uh, I know y'all love me. It's easy, isn't it, to say it. It's real easy to say it. Somebody who's married for any amount of time will soon understand that saying it is one thing and doing it is another thing. Saying you love someone is... Easy, but 
living like you love someone or acting like you love someone or doing things that express the fact that you love someone sometimes isn't the easiest thing to do. And if you, if you don't agree with me, then um, we need to have lunch because surely there's somebody in your life that you love and have sometimes have difficulty loving. If you're not finding that, then maybe you're the one that's difficult to love. I'm just saying. Maybe that's, maybe that's me. I don't know. I want to talk about all the different aspects of God's love this morning. I'm going to break it down, simple as I can break it down. Hopefully, verse 7 of 1 John chapter 4. Here we go. We're going to read 7 and 8. Dear friends, oh, here we go. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God, whoever does not love, does not know God, because God is love. So the, the number one uh, most valuable thing, in my opinion, about God's love for me personally is that God's love is a personal love. Love is not vague. It's not just general. I love everybody. God loves me personally, intimately. And God loves you personally and intimately. His love for you is just as great as his love for me. For anyone in the world. But it is a personal love. We are all important to God. It's not just that God loves people. But God loves every person individually. Isn't that great? We talk about God and his love and how you're involved in that. So let's get excited a little bit. John 3.16 one of the most important words in John 3.16 says what? Whosoever. God loves the world. But whosoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. That means anybody and everybody that would receive his love can be loved. Can experience the personal relationship that we can have through Christ. Not a group relationship. I don't have to share relationship with God with you guys because you have your own relationship. However, as, as the body of Christ, our personal relationships become a group relationship together with God. First Timothy chapter 2, if you go and look in chapter 2, it talks about how God desires everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to experience this love. It's it, it, There's nothing more personal than Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, coming into the world and putting himself on the cross and letting himself be tortured and beaten and, and spit on and cursed and persecuted in that way just so he can give up his life so that you can be with God. There's no more. There's not a more, there's not a more personal love than that. And you and I and anyone else in this world that wants to receive and participate in that, we have access. And that's where we say praise God and we're saved. Most of us would agree. Because without Jesus, without God's love, we have nothing. We have no hope, as we talked about last week. We have no joy. There's no peace. Nothing but chaos, darkness, and sin. Without the love of God. That's how personal it is. When we decided to disobey God and sin, God saw that, and he said, you know what? I'm going to love that person anyway. You ever think about that? You ever think about how much God loves you in spite of your behavior? Or in spite of the times you didn't love Him? I might get into that again for a minute. God's love is evident. 
Look at verse look at verse nine what it says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Not only so that we could be saved, not only that so we can be forgiven, not only that so that we don't fall into in line with his wrath, because that's what a just God would do, as we studied in our Bible study this morning, but also that Christ would live in us. You ever thought about that at Christmas time? You ever thought about this baby that we celebrate his birth into this world opened the door and set things in motion so that, the, that, that Jesus would live in those who would believe and that we would have eternal life in that way? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, isn't that special? This is God's love. That's, the, that's what's at the heart of Christmas, is the love of God. Not just how much He loves, but the, the, the deep, penetrating, personal, evident love. Uh, John, First John chapter 3, verse 18, go back a chapter, just in that one verse, says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and in truth. We're, we're encouraged to be like Jesus. We're encouraged to uh, follow the example of our Lord. And our Lord didn't just come here, show up as a baby, and grow up into a man and say, Hey, love guys, see you later. No, he said, I love y'all, and he put himself on the cross. Because without that sacrifice, it doesn't matter how much God loves us. Because we would never be able to experience it without that sacrifice. Isn't that something to celebrate? Isn't that something to get excited about? So if we're going to be like Jesus, then when we say to one another, I love you, it ought to come with some action, shouldn't it? I feel like, uh, as, as was, put, uh, was expressed in, in, in our communion meditation a little bit this morning, I feel like that's really the purpose of how to give each other gifts at Christmas time. We're participating in the action of loving one another. Right? Now, I don't need to die for you, and you don't need to die for me for salvation, because that's been taken care of by our Lord. However, if we're going to be like Jesus, then we need to participate in loving one another. Participating loving God by loving one another. Sharing the love that God has offered to us. All that God had did at Jesus' birth. Have you ever thought about that? It's not that Jesus was born on this day. fully man with full capabilities of disobeying the Father. Understanding everything that the rest of us would ever suffer and be tempted with. Lowered himself so that he could become our Savior, which is what we need. He was born into poverty because he loved us. He was born into ridicule because 
persecuted before he ever came into the flesh. Because the Lord made peace. Yet he loved us. He was born to die because he loved us. have to celebrate Christmas and Easter together. They have to go together. That's who we are. That's what we're about. Verses 10 through 11, back in chapter 4, say this. As we read about the purity of this love, it says this. This is love. Anybody ever ask you, what is love? Right? Or if you ever ask yourself, I wonder what love is. Especially if you've got teenagers, and they're like trying to figure out what love is, and you're like, I don't know. Okay, take them to the Bible. <laughs> here's, what, here's what love is, and then let's see how we can find that out when we're meeting our spouses in the future. Because there's a terrible misunderstanding about, terrible understanding of love in some of the people in the world today. So let me get back to where I was. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Before that happened, we could say we love God all we want to and it doesn't matter because we're separated from God for eternity because of sin. In our sin, we cannot be in the presence of holiness. So God has to love first. It's the only way. And how many of y'all are grateful that God did love you first? Isn't that awesome? On your worst day, see if you can remember this, on your worst day, Day, in the darkest hour, try to re- sit back and remember this verse that God loved us first. Maybe your worst day is because you failed God. You've sinned. You've given in to temptation. Or maybe your worst day is just because you failed in some other way as far as being obedient or trying to make disciples. You've missed opportunities. Or maybe it's just life is happening. And hardship comes or sickness comes. We can always praise God because we know that He loves us. Isn't that great? I heard a preacher one time preach a sermon about that. I'm not going to go into it because it's a whole other uh, hour-long thing to talk about. He, he used the illustration about how he would always tell his little girl he loved her. And she said, she loved you more. Or she loved him more. And they go back and forth. At the end, the father would tell the little girl, I love, but I love you first. But I won't. And it's true, isn't it? With our children. We love them before they ever existed. We love them before they ever came out of the womb. We love the idea of them. And that's the way it is with our father. And it's going to be. I don't believe God creates a person in this world without a purpose. Without any reason to use them. I love that. Each one of us is a, is a living example of what God loves. And therefore, each one of us wants that Jesus would go to the cross to express that love. Isn't that great? So, He loved us. Here's how much He loves you. He sent His Son to the cross. And then verse 11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Think about that at the Christmas dinner table. Bring all your families around, even the ones we don't really get along with that much. 
I mean, really, if it's about God and his love, and it's about Jesus and his powerful sacrifice because of his love that expresses his love, and we're sitting back saying, but God loved us first, and we know that the only way to love someone You can't experience God's love when you have hate in your heart. Love one another. That's why, that's why I said when we were done singing, look at your neighbor and say Merry Christmas. I do that I do that for two reasons. One, because I want us to interact together so we're not just going through the motions. And we got to get time to take care of each other. So we just kind of take a minute, right? But then I come up here and said, look at your neighbor and tell them you love them. Help us continue to experience the love that He shared with us. We're here to take communion together to remind ourselves of the love that happened on the cross because of this baby that was born and what we celebrate as Christmas Day. Sunday mornings are important for us. Sunday mornings are important for us in this culture because that's the moment that we need to come together as a church family. Not because we have to, not because we Bible requires us to, it's because we love each other because of the love we receive from God. And we can't wait, we shouldn't, we can't wait to be together. We can't wait to look at each other and look in each other's eyes and see the love of God and say, look, somebody died for you just like they died for me. God loves you just as much as he loves me. Isn't that great? We should be able to communicate that without even talking to each other because of the Spirit of God. And if we think about God's love and we just pray about it and dwell on it and let the Lord expose us to the reality and the magnitude of this kind of love and what it took for him to uh, offer that to us. And it soaks into our hearts and our minds. How on earth could we ever get away from wanting to be with him? Wanting to be with one another. How could we ever get away from wanting to be with our families during Christmas time? How could we ever get away from celebrating the birth of Jesus and everything that comes with it instead of instead of running off and making it about supermarkets and sales and Black Friday shopping and everything the world wants to turn it into? Nothing. Look, go shopping, do what you do. As long as we're not taking away from God's love. As long as we're not making it about something else besides the love of God. Because that's what's at the heart of Christmas. Look over to verse 19 really quick. This just agrees. He just says it one more time. We love because he first loved us. I'm just going to admit to you. I've admitted this in the past, and I know you all said amen, so we're in agreement. I'm not always easy to love. Y'all love me so much that this snow to the end. Exactly what that verse is talking about. We love because he first loved us. Sometimes when we realize the magnitude of God's love, not 
just saying we understand the cross or we, we think the cross was a great moment in time when God loved us. But let that love become a reality in our own lives. That this, this time of year, we're going to spend our energy and our time making sure that the love of God comes out of us and into people's lives around us. So that when we say Merry Christmas, we're actually meaning something. There's no sense in having these debates in society about whether we can say Merry Christmas or have a Christmas if we don't really have the love of God oozing out of us. Because Merry Christmas doesn't mean anything without the love of God oozing out of us and the love of God. And don't we need the Lord's help to make that happen? Don't we need the, the Spirit of God working hard in our hearts and, and us totally surrendered to Him and His love and what He wants us to do to make sure that we're loving people in a way that God would have us love people? For the purpose of people knowing going to the cross, expressing his love even for Peter, and Peter standing in the crowd, totally denying Jesus, knowing, totally denying knowing who he is, I don't know that guy, I'm not with him, and then getting mad at people because they're insisting otherwise. And Jesus is bleeding on the cross, people are cursing him, mocking him, and he gives up his life. in the mirror every morning. You know, the one that we look and we get our hair just right and for the ladies just just as neat looking just good and, and we've got the right clothes on making sure we've got our shirts up in the right order so they're not looking all crooked and we don't look like nobody knows how to take care of us. No, we're, I'm talking about Jesus sees the you that nobody else sees. Jesus sees the you that needs a little bit more work. He sees the you that is broken. He sees the you that struggles with your faith or the you that is working on this temptation or that temptation or the doubts that are in your heart. He sees the you that he went to the cross for. And he says, yeah, that's not all right. Just one more time. You know who that person is. You might not want to look at that person every day. I don't. But I'm glad that John it is if God looks at that person and, and, and doesn't walk away. Because God even sees the person he intended for you to be. God sees the person that was was the intention the whole time. That when Jesus went to the cross and, and, and brought reconciliation between us and God, the potential for us to be great warriors for Christ and great people of God and honor him, that's who we are. And some of us look in the mirror and we're like, I go to church and I pray and I read the Bible, but I'm just not, I'm not, I don't know. Gideon said that. God says, stand up, mighty warrior. I got something for you to do. The only way for us to function in Christ and honor God and be, be disciple makers and live in this world where we can make a difference for the kingdom is if we stand in the love of God and trust that what he sees, he loves. Because it's pure. Unconditional. 
condition on the, on the gospel, on, on salvation. Look, if you believe that Jesus is in Christ, right, you can, you can repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you can have the gift of the Holy Spirit. But don't mess it up. You get one chance. Can you imagine if it was like that? We'd all be in trouble. It would be like a day, maybe. Maybe that night. I'm like, it's over. I messed it up already. Some people would come out of waters of baptism messing it up. Because our hearts need Jesus. Our hearts need His love and His strength. Alright, let's look at verse 12. Verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made perfect. His love is made complete. Nothing can be complete unless it's perfect. If it's not perfect, there's something missing. There's something that's needed. But God's love is made complete in us if we live in it, if we walk in it. And if we're doing that, we will be lovers of one another. Look at verse 17 and 18 quickly. It says, it says uh, in this way, love is made complete among us so that, look, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in, in this world, we are, uh, excuse me, because in this world, we are like him. There's no fear in love. Everybody say amen to that. There's no fear in love, y'all. But perfect love drives out fear. Well, I can't love people perfectly. I'm sorry. I try. I really do try, but it's just not in me. But with Christ and Jesus, I can I can get there. And if I love people by following the Spirit of God and His guidance in my life, then it's it, then it's the way God wants me to do it. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with what? With punishment. No one who fears is not uh, the one who fears is not made. spiritual things here. He's talking about fear that I might not be with God when this is over with. What is, what is, fear, of, fear of God's punishment in my life because I disobeyed Him over here or I failed over here. Is God going to be mad at me? No, I don't have I, I'm, I'm secure in my salvation right now. I'm secure in God's grace. I, when He says He's going to forgive me, I believe it 100%. before God and know we're going to be with Him for eternity. I've heard Christians tell me, I've heard Christian people come to me and say, well, I hope I make it to heaven. Do you believe it? Are you a Christian? Well, yeah. Okay, then you know, you should know you're going to be in heaven with God. You should know for sure that you're going to have eternal life with Jesus because of the blood of cross. Nothing lacking. It's perfect. We all 
one should be praising God for that because we continue to mess up. We continue to fall off the trail every now and then. We continue to fall short. But praise God for the grace of God, for the mercy of the unconditional love. It helps us grow spiritually in the church as well. It helps us overcome fear and suffering, and it helps us draw faith in God. I don't know about you, but if it wasn't for the Spirit of God living in me and the love of God that overwhelms me in my heart and in my mind, probably would have walked away from God a long time ago. Because life is hard. It's not always ice cream and barbecue. Maybe that is. There's been, there's been great mountaintop experiences in my walk with the Lord. And there's been some pretty awesome mountaintop experiences too. I don't mean I enjoy them, but I enjoy the presence of God. Living in the love that God has offered you, it is overwhelming. And you have all that you need. Okay, now, it's, it's preserving. This love preserves us. Verse 13 and 16. We're just getting ready to finish this up. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us the Holy Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so we know and, and rely on the love of God, excuse me, the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. Right? So if you're a believer, then you live in Christ. And if you live in Christ, you live in love. And His love lives in you. And you become part of love. See how this works. This is why Jesus came into the world. To save us from the darkness. To save us from the wickedness. To save us from the hatred that comes from Satan and his entire kingdom. To save us from God's love. Not only is it perfect and preserving, it's the promise of eternal life. There's hope in our hearts because we know that this world is not our home. We know that we don't stay here forever. We know that after this world and this life, we go to another place and we can be in, in eternity with God for eternity. Forever and ever. And ever. Never ending ever. Isn't that awesome? It preserves. God, no one can take that from you. God won't take it from you. And Satan can't take it from you. I'm going to close with Matthew. Going to the Gospel of Matthew. Because it is Christmas time. I want to share this with you. I hope that everything we just read in 1 John chapter 4 brings us to this understanding of the core, the heart of Christmas. We're going to start in verse 18. This is the account, Matthew's account of Jesus Christ. Verse 18, chapter 1. Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be uh, married to Joseph, but before they could come together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, she had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
20, after uh, he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son, uh, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Jesus will give birth to a son, excuse me, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Christmas story I'm reading here, y'all. Verse 22, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? We would read this exercise without just, just reading it as this is what we do during Christmas time and then we close the book and don't read it again until next time. Just saying that God is with us through this Jesus. And if we've read 1 John chapter 4 and understood what God is telling us through 1 John chapter 4 when it says God is love, then when Jesus comes into the world in the, as a person, love comes into the world. Love is with us. God's love is with us. Isn't that, isn't that and, it's, and it's all through God's doing. This account that we just read of the Christmas story is about, it's, it's not just God saying, hey, I love you guys. He's saying, I love you guys, and here's how I'm going to show you I love you guys. He said, I love you in Genesis chapter 3, and he's like, oh, you broke it, and I'll fix it. So that is. So we could, we could serve a God who just snaps his fingers and cleans and extinguishes the life out of us every time, every time we sin. But because he loves us, he goes, because he loves us, there's Jesus. Because he loves you, there's Jesus. Because he loves you, he allowed Jesus to come into this world 